And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to this morning's broadcast. Thank you for joining us. In weeks past, we have been seeing justification's blessings for the Christian. Today, we look at the believer's free access to God and the Christian sense of God's proven love. It is dead wrong for a justified believer to be silent about God's blessings he has received. And now with his message today is our pastor, Robert Elliott. God's university is your adversity. So, quick review. Because of the hope of grace, we have free access to God and we experience spiritual growth right out of our troubles. But there's more. Third, because of God's grace, we gain a deep sense of God's proven love during our times of trouble. We gain a deep sense of God's proven, not theoretical, God's proven love during our times of trouble. If I open it up for testimonies right now, and ask people to come to the mic as to how they learned the proven love of God for them in trials and problems, we'd be here the rest of today. Verses 5 through 8. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The proven love of God seen in troubles. When I was a young pastor, I fell into a clinical depression. And I didn't really know if I would ever be able to pastor again because I was so depressed. Not the blues, but clinical depression where brain aimings in my mind were not properly balanced. You can't focus on reading. You can't really put your own socks on. It certainly couldn't work. But the proven Love of God in that trial of my life. Express God's love. God expressed his love through this woman. She loved me through it all. It wasn't easy to love when I was depressed. But she loved me. My uncle who just went to be with Christ, Dr. Carl, he let me use his home on the lake with my family while I was depressed. The proven love of God. Walking down the shore in a November rainstorm at that beach property, and there's a man I do not know who is. He's casting a line into the rough white caps of Lake Huron, and he's got a honking lake trout at his feet. I've never seen a fish that big. And even, you know, when you're depressed, you don't want to talk to anybody. You hope you won't meet anybody, but here he's right in my path, so I mustered a hello. He said, Hello? I've been here all day in the driving rain, and this is the only fish I've caught. And I said, well, I'm happy you caught one. I'll see you later. So I walk down the beach quite a ways, and there's no other way back to the cottage, but I have to pass this fisherman again, and honestly, I didn't want to talk to him. 
So I try to skirt by him while he's casting, but he notices me and he says, Hey, man. Hi. You know, I've been thinking, this is the only fish I've caught, but I want you to have it. I just started crying. I didn't know if my face was wet from rain or from tears. I think it was wet from both. I said, sir, you'll never know how much that means to me. But I can't take your fish because I don't enjoy fish. And I want you and your family to eat it because I I wouldn't. But you cannot know how much what you just did for me means to me. God's proven love. And I could go on. In that time of clinical depression, had some deep waters, experienced God's proven love. I'm sure you have. The blessings of God's justification are outstanding to review peace with God. The hope of grace, which includes future glory and no wrath. Present time hope of grace, free access to God, spiritual growth out of troubles, and a deep sense of God's proven love during our troubles. The third and the last blessing in our verses, a blessing of justification, is praise for God. Praise for God, verse 11. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. He is exulting in God. He is praising God for justification. And we must. According to verse 11, it is dead wrong for the justified to be silent. When we ponder, when we dwell on, when we think about, when we study justification and reconciliation, we cannot be silent without sinning. Silent Christians are sinning Christians. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Psalm 107, 1 to 8. Listen. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, for his wonders to the sons of men. The silent Christian is the sinning Christian. Because of all the blessings we know in this chapter, laid out as justification, reconciliation with God. Oh, maybe never be silent. Don't be silent. Praise God. And not when we assemble here for these special moments on Sundays. Not just here, everywhere, with everybody. Now let's take some applications. We've seen, what, is, what do the verses say? We've seen, what do the verses mean? Now we have to ask, so what? What difference should these verses make in your life and mine? Let's take the first truth about peace with God. What difference 
Should the fact that you are at peace with God if you're saved, what difference should that make Monday to Saturday? Well, I think of the prodigal son in Luke 15. He came to his senses after feeding pigs and eating their slop, went back to his dad to ask for forgiveness. The father did something that ancient Near Eastern fathers never did. He ran to the boy. Picture of reconciliation. He ran to the boy. Now, when the boy got forgiven, when he got the ring on his finger, when they had the barbecue, you know what? This text doesn't tell us exactly what happened after that. But you know what I know is true? He lived a thank you kind of life with his daddy on the farm after that. He didn't have secret sins on the farm. He didn't boast and insist on self-determinations on the farm. He didn't harbor unforgiveness. He never disrespected his daddy who forgave him so lavishly. And he was never silent about the grace his daddy showed him. Text doesn't tell me any of that, but I believe that's all true. What about you? Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and I serve as a youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. And today we want to continue on our series of influence. And what is an influencer? And when we consider this, I want you to imagine for a second, um, when you were a little boy or a little girl, you may have done something you call a cannonball in a pool, where you jumped off and you put your legs together and you wanted to see how the waves would ripple across the pool or wherever it may be, or even if you were a person and you like to throw rocks, you would throw a rock and you would see a ripple effect uh, from the water. And today we want to talk about how we need to understand that we are influencer and we have a ripple effect around us. You see, when we consider, uh, you know, a pebble, a stone, a rock, we got to remember that no matter how big or small the, the rock is, ripples will start in the middle of the place where, it's, where it starts, and the ripple effects will be less and less as they go out from the center. There are many ripples made, but the biggest impact is the point of contact, exactly where you throw the rock or where you cannonball. It would be the biggest wave or ripple that you have. You see, as we are in the middle of this series called Influencer, we're talking about what to do with the influence we have and being careful about who we allow to influence us. You know, when we think of influencers, we often think of people who are famous or have a huge social media followings. You know, think about it in our lives today as we think of social media. Even us, when we consider, we want to know who is following us. How many likes do I have? People like to see and they like to judge on that. Like, how many people are really following me? You see, those people can reach a lot of people at once, famous people. They're kind of like a big rock being thrown into a pool of water. Their ripples are often able to reach a little further and a little faster than others ripple. You see, people will follow what someone may put as a celebrity. You know, even um, recently I was watching a video and someone was talking about, it's great to hear that all these celebrities are coming to know Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. And we make a big deal about it and it's, it's great. But one thing that the person said was this, is that the same God who saves those individuals and the same gospel that we have, that those individuals are saved by, is the same gospel that each of us have. No matter what, how big or famous we are, we have that same power, the gospel. 
because Romans 1.16 tells us, for we are not ashamed of the gospel. And we talks about the power of the gospel and the power of the gospel, how it changes people. And it doesn't have to be a famous person to make a difference, but it can be us, however small we may think we are. And we also talked about the people who are most influential in our lives, people who are close enough to us, really get to know us. This is people who we have a more influence. You see, true influence goes hand in hand with being up close with people around us. The closer you are, the more influence you have for good or bad. And I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to think before we look in the scripture this morning. I want you to think of the people that you are closest to. Who do you have the most influence with? What type of ripple effect are you making? It's the ripple effect that you have. Is it making a big impact? And it is. It's making an impact to those small who are close to you. And the reality is, is that those people who are close to you, they know exactly the type of influence and type of person you are. Secondly, I want you to think of the next ripple, those people who are a little on the outside of you, the people you may have in contact with. When you think of the, some of those people are like neighbors and maybe some friends, some classmates, some teammates, even some extended family. These are some of the people that are on the outer side of that instant contact that we talked about. And then we have those people on the outermost ripples, those who we interact on a distance whether it be social media, whether it be some classmates we come into, you know, not all the time. We have those type of ripples. We have those type of effects. We have those type of influence. And I think that when we consider these relationships, we need to understand that these ripple effects are making an impact no matter what. And we even those are positive impacts or there are negative impacts. And when we come to Scripture, we want to look at that this morning. We want to think of what does the Scripture say about the impact? What does the Scripture say about us, ourselves, when we think of the ripples of influence? As we think of the God's Word, we think of, of Matthew chapter 5, 14 and 16. It says this, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When we consider this, we need to understand that light is really hard to miss in the darkness. You cannot miss light in darkness. There's no way possible. Think about it. We live in a country where we know a BPL and we know the lights go out. And the first thing we get is our, our lamp and we put it high so we can see or we go in a car and we put lights on so that we can see where we're going. And, and then darkness is instantly gone. Darkness may be around us, but where the light is focused on, darkness is gone. And this is the same for us as we consider our own lives. In verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And when we consider Jesus has said to us, you are a light in this dark world. You see, we are in a world that's full of darkness. We are in a world that is surrounded by things that aren't pleasing to God. And God has said for us who call ourselves Christians, we are a light in a dark place. So I ask you, as we close this week, as we think about that, and we're going to look, pick this up next week, I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to ask yourself, what type of influence are you being with the darkness that's around you? Or what type of influence are you being with the people who are around you? What, what, what's going on? 
Because the reality is, is that Jesus has called you to be a light in a very dark place. And the reality is that we cannot do nothing without the help of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Because in ourselves, we would desire darkness all the time. But because Christ has made a difference in our life and made an influence in us, He wants us to influence others because we are light. That's going to shine bright for Him. And now, today's personal God story. Hi, my name is Christopher Cartwright. I was born right there in Nassau in 1989 at Princess Margaret Hospital. For the first seven years or so of my life, I was uh, what we call an MK, a missionary kid, and later on a PK, what we call a pastor's kid. Those seven years, three of them in Rumkey, right there in the Bahamas, and the other four in New Hampshire in the United States. As a missionary kid, I was in a small bubble of believers. Uh, my parents worked for a ministry called His Mansion Ministries. My mom worked with women who experienced some form of abuse, whether it's drug or sexual abuse. And we lived in a large home uh, with myself, my brother, and my parents, and about 15 women who lived upstairs, and we lived downstairs. So my upbringing was unorthodox, to say the least. And my father worked with men who had come off the street. Some had been victims of abuse. Some had been on drugs. Um, some had just fell into bankruptcy and depression. And they all came to this ministry um, to seek counseling. And they were counseled. They were put to work. They had devotions. And they went through rehabilitation um, and were put into a schedule um, where they had to study the word and learn about the Lord. Um, and so that's, that's what the first seven years of my life was. After that, we moved back to the Bahamas, um, where I was taken out of that little bubble that I was used to for the first seven years of my life. And I was put into, uh, a private school here in Nassau. Um, my parents came back to Calvary Bible Church, which was the church that commissioned them as missionaries in the first place. And the next seven years of my life, and beyond was basically living at Calvary Bible Church. Uh, we were there every time the doors were open. My father um, eventually became one of the elders there. Um, and so although not in the same bubble as the first seven years, I still uh, was surrounded by and immersed in uh, the scriptures and other believers uh, on a weekly basis. And uh, like most PKs, pastor kids you may have met, um, you know, they say pastor's kids can be some of the, some of the worst kids, you know, or some of the most two-faced kids, you know, and I was one of those. I was one person in school, another person at church, um, because, you know, a pastor's kid, you know, he, he has, he's, he's in a constant struggle to be cool, uh, in the eyes of his peers, despite being a pastor's kid and, uh, peer pressure was certainly something I dealt with in high school and gave in uh, most of the time, throughout most of my high school. Although my friends knew that if they were going to hang out with me or spend the weekend with me, that they were most likely going to have to go to church at some point. Um, and most of them were cool with it. I had some really good friends, but uh, we would come, you know, they would come and we would go to youth group or we would go to church. Um, but at school, I was a completely different person. And I probably did a terrible job of being a Christian example to them. Uh, but being that person, I still knew 
that this was not a way I could live forever. I knew I had to get serious at some point. Um, and I, I had always had that in the back of my mind that, you know, you can't fool people forever. You have to, you have to get serious. I knew Jesus, uh, was someone that demanded either all or nothing. He was not into the lukewarm thing. Um, I had learned that much from youth group. And so upon graduating from high school in 2007, I did not decide upon a college right away. And both my youth pastor and my older brother and some other friends of mine had went to a Bible school in New York called Word of Life Bible Institute. And so since I did not have a college to go to yet, I said, well, hey, you know, I'll head up there and, you know, kill some time and see. But I, the Lord had uh, very different plans for me. Um, up there, I learned more about the, about the scriptures. I, we got, we got deeper. Um, and not only did I learn that, uh, you know, the Christian life is not just a set of rules, which is basically what I had been living before, uh, about church attendance and staying away from drugs and sex and being a good boy. But, uh, that Jesus was a person that entered history, uh, that came to save souls, that uh, he had left us with his word that he has preserved over the years, and that those scriptures are alive, and they're, 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 they're living, and if you study them, and if you live by them, and if you meditate on them, and if you apply them, uh, then you will grow in him. Because before that, I had basically, you know, live the life where I feel many listeners may be living where you place faith in Jesus. Um, you know, you prayed a prayer back in the day and you, you may have even been sincere. You know, you weren't just afraid of hell. You may have actually placed faith in Jesus, but after that, you just kind of continued to live on a life of living rules and you never got deeper. You never got, uh, the meat of the word as it's, as it said. And, uh, that's what I encountered at Word of Life. And I, I found out that the, the Christian life was a lot deeper than I had thought and a lot more than um, what I had been living. Um, on top of that, uh, I, came, I came back home uh, with all this knowledge from Bible school, you know, and I was prepared to, you know, get involved in my church, to live wholeheartedly for God and use all the knowledge that I had gained. But as uh, someone said once before, I don't remember who, the head is a long ways away from the heart. And you can know as much as you want about the Bible, um, but if your heart is not seeking after the Lord and to do His will and to know Him better, uh, you're not going to get very far. You're not going to impact many people. You're not going to grow in your faith and uh, that was a that was a lesson I had to learn after Bible school. And I think many listeners may know of a lot of Christians out there that could quote a lot of scripture and could tell you a lot about the Bible, but are not prepared to love you as a person and to uh, give you uh, show you that same love that you read about that Jesus gave people in the scriptures um, to be understanding, to accept people for who they are. And uh, I think that's a big problem in our church today. It certainly was a problem in my life and uh, something that I still deal with up until today. Um, but today I still attend Calvary Bible Church. Um, I'm still growing, growing in my faith. I'm trying to know the Lord better, trying to worship Him in all aspects, uh, not just my mind, but uh, in what I do and how I live in everything that I do in my thought life. 
and in my actions. And uh, I would encourage you as a listener that if you have not placed faith in Jesus Christ to not um, look at uh, your neighbor as your friend, the Christian you know, uh, from that sports team you're on or for, or, you know, anybody that says they're Christian, not to look at them as example, but look at Christ, um, to study the scripture for yourselves, uh, get to know him, uh, actively seek him. And, uh, I would encourage you to place faith in his finished work, uh, on the cross as your only way to heaven. And, uh, if you are a Christian, if you've made that decision, but, um, like, uh, person I really look up to, a speaker named Ravi Zacharias might say, Christianity may not have worked out for you. I would I would invite you to uh, maybe look at the scriptures and not people and not uh, maybe Christianity isn't what you thought. Um, maybe you need to uh, take a second look at what you're doing. And, uh, and I would encourage you to do that. And I would encourage you to visit Calvary Bible Church and to seek out a pastor and and talk to them if you have questions and thank you for listening Uh, my name is christopher garrett and that is my testimony you've been listening to echoes of calvary a radio ministry of calvary bible church nassau bahamas our morning worship services are at 8 a.m and 11 a.m in our sanctuary located on collins avenue We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.